Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Want to help yourself and others process past traumas without having to re-engage with the memories attached? Are you weighed down by your emotional baggage and ready to check it for good? Do you feel drawn toward a career in wellness where you can heal yourself and facilitate the healing of others? The Somatic Activated Healing Method, aka the SAW Method, is a revolutionary wellness practice combining the healing modalities of somatic movement, rhythmic breathwork, positive affirmations, and dynamic meditation as developed by Sadi Simone. This transformative experience has the power to help resolve past trauma, process present pain, and fortify resilience for the future. Students have called the method better than three years of therapy and report a 93% transformation rate after practicing somatic activated healing. This is life-changing work. Want to get involved? We are currently accepting students for our next round of SAW Method teacher training, which kicks off in January 2023. Join our certification program and get on the cutting edge of modern wellness. As a Spiritually Sassy Show listener, we're offering an exclusive 10% discount on your registration. Visit sawmethod.com and enter the code PODCAST to join today. That's sawmethod.com and enter the code PODCAST for 10% off and join today. What's up, my loves? Hi, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Spiritually Sassy Show. It's truly an honor and a joy to be here with you today. And if it's your first time here, hi, welcome. We love you. We're grateful you're here. And uh, don't forget, if you love the show, please rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends, share with your community. Let's get the word out there. And thank you so much for being interested on what I have to say. Thank you so much for choosing this Spiritually Sassy Path for your liberation. I love you. Okay, let's talk about today's guest. Today's guest is someone who is a legend, honey, in the well-being space, someone who is an, an icon on the spiritual space. It's truly an honor to be speaking to this legend today. So let's get into it. Today's guest is Gabby Bernstein, honey, for over 15 years. Gabby Bernstein has been transforming lives, including her own. The number one New York Times bestselling author has penned eight books and has a weekly podcast called Dear Gabby. She was featured on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday as a next generation thought leader. She co-hosted the Guinness World Records largest guided meditation with Deepak Chopra and appears regularly as an expert on Today and Good Morning America, among other publications. Get into this episode, honey, and get ready to get lit. I love you all. Peace. Oh my goodness, honeys. Y'all gonna have your mind blown today because we have the legendary, iconic Gabby Bernstein in the house today. <laughs> I have been manifesting this moment for years and it's here. <laughs> Hi, Gabby. 
You don't just have me. You also have my kitty kitty. Her name That's is Jimmy right. Blue. Jimmy yes. Blue makes major appearances here on, Dirk, on the shows <laughs> and on my podcast and all over the place. Nice. How's it going, my love? Everything's great. I'm really good. Just, 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 just one day at a time, enjoying my life. <laughs> it's great. That's right. That's right. I feel you. Oof. So, first question I ask every guest is, "Who are you right now?" Right now, I am grounded. I am steady. I am safe. I am happy. I am free. And I'm a mama and I'm, and I'm, I'm an honest voice of truth. (laughs) Say it, honey. That's right. I'm a lot of things right now. I'm a lot of goodness right now. I'm feeling awesome. Good, good, good. Harvest season, right? Like a good season. (laughs) Let's talk about like, how did Gabby Bernstein became a voice of truth? Like what happened? Because I usually see this as in three ways for people. It's like you either had hippie parents, not me. You either were bored with life, not me. Or you either have gone through like rock bottom addiction, you know, just the darkest night of the soul. That was my case. Mm -hmm. Were you one of the three or all three or perhaps you feel different? There's a fourth option. Yeah. I mean, I had hippie parents and I have hit major rock bottom with drugs, alcohol, trauma, (laughs) postpartum (laughs) depression, kind of you name it. Um, So I've been there and every bottom was a breakthrough and every bottom was an up-leveling because I chose for it to be. Mm-hmm. In my book, Happy Days, I literally tell the whole freaking story from start to finish, you know, from addiction to, to remembering dissociated trauma to to depression and, and mental illness to coming out the other side to freedom. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's a wonderful fucking blessing to live to tell what freedom looks like mm-hmm. and feels like. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. What does freedom look like and feels like? Because I feel like oftentimes internally the felt sense for everyone may be the same, but the outer expression of freedom looks different for everybody. I mean, for me, it's bold, loud, sassy, lots of F words and, you know, just like like gender binding, all the, it's it shows up in its really expressive, artistic, poetic way. For someone else, they're like, Sad, does freedom have to look like this for me too? I'm like, no, honey, it's your own unique expression, but the felt sense in your heart, I think there's a common thread for all of us. What do you say to that, Gabby? Well, it's interesting that you use the language felt sense because that's actually how I would define what freedom looks like and feels like. Peter Levine, the founder of Somatic Experiencing Therapy, calls trauma the inability to be present. And so the opposite of freedom is trauma, that inability to be present, that living in hypervigilance or living in dissociation and just being checked out from life. Mm. And I know that very intimately. And I also have been able to put myself on the journey and the guided path from that trauma to that freedom. And today I am fully living in that happiness and freedom because I am fully present with that felt sense in every moment. So what I mean by that is I can smell spring coming. I can feel my husband's energy move through me when he hugs me. I can look into my son's eyes and just be blown out with oxytocin and just such a rush of love. Mm -hmm. And I can be with you right here, right now. And even though I'm tired from a long day and whatnot, 
I can be really present with you and just show up with you. Maybe I have a little bit of a softer voice right now, but I'm with you. And that was something I lived without for so many years. And my journey of undoing trauma and really healing my nervous system, healing my energetic system, healing my thoughts and my brain mm-hmm. has allowed me to come back to that presence. So here I am. Mm-hmm. Do you find that through the periods of like deep depression and addiction and lack of presence, there is this like limbo of like what happened to like 15 years of my life? I was reflecting on it the other day, not the other day, like a while back. And I was like, oh my God, like I have barely any memories from like over mm-hmm a decade of my life, what happened to it? And then you look at the research about trauma and I love the words you use here. It's like trauma is the inability to be present. And unless you're present, you're missing the smell of spring coming. You're missing mm-hmm. the exchange with your partner and your and your kid and, and how life's communicating to you and beautiful, simple, mundane moments become miraculous and magical because we're not aware of the, of the beauty. Mm-hmm. Because we're not here, we're we have split. You know, we've gone into the blackout. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And I dissociated so much so that I didn't even actually remember why I was traumatized. It was tucked away in a part of my brain that was keeping me safe for thirty six years, or really thirty something years. Mm-hmm. And when I was thirty six, I actually had a dream where I remembered the childhood sexual abuse, <sighs> and. And that was when I realized, oh, that's why I was a cocaine addict. That's why I was alcoholic. That's why, that's why, that's why. Mm-hmm. And that memory had been so, so, so impermissible. And that experience mm-hmm. was so filled with shame and terror that it just, I literally checked out and disconnected mm-hmm. from my body and mm-hmm. from my memory. Wow. Yeah. Well, you're a party girl in New York City, like me, because cocaine and alcohol were like my besties. Like that was like my religious experience. It was that. Yeah. I got sober at 25, but prior to that, I was really uh, going on the wrong path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what propelled the sobriety? Did your spiritual path, like, was the, the catalyst for that? Or did it kind of happen in increments? For me, it was like five years into the spiritual path. And then by the blessing of one of my teachers, they said, honey, if you have a little hangover, hangover, excuse my English, in your mind, in your body, if you got a little bit of fog and you're giving guidance to other people, that's like you're accumulating a lot of unwholesome, destructive karma and you don't want that shit because you got a lot of work to do on yourself too. So then I was like, okay, time to just really like, you know, make this, this really hard choice. So um, in May of 2022, which is in a few weeks from when we're recording now, actually it's in the next two days, but mid-May is when I celebrate my five-year sober Yay. birthday. Oh, yeah. baby, go. Yeah. Yay. That's so amazing. Congratulations. Thank you, sweet love. Yeah, I'm coming up on 17 fucking years. Can you- Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I know it gets, it's weird when you start to get into like real interesting timeline and you start to realize, wow, like almost half of my life I have been sober. And um, yeah, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. Sobriety is the greatest gift I've ever been given. And then it also really was the catalyst for the person I am today. Because first you have to take away the drink and the drug and you have to get that, that sober path. And then you have to become safe in your spiritual foundation to go deeper in the work. And then one step at a time, you're guided out of that trauma. But I definitely believe that all addicts are traumatized individuals Mm -hmm. who 
picked up addiction as a way of putting out the fire. And then we blew it out with, with the addiction and had the blessing of those of us who are sober, the blessing of finding our way back. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask on behalf of the entire community question that I get asked all the time, do you feel like you're missing out by being mm. sober? No. <laughs> not missing out from anything. I have a good life. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. No, I'm not missing anything. I think for me, the turning point was I was I was uh, teaching at Boom Festival, which is like the Burning Man of Europe and like year two of my sober journey. And that's when I was like looking around at everybody like drunk and high. And I had like my smoothie bowl and my coffee. And I was like, acai bowl and my coffee. And I was like lit. And people are coming up to me and asking me, what are you on? Can I have some too? And I was like, I just had an acai bowl honey, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, I had my coffee. Mm-hmm. I'm lit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in that moment, I just noticed me not judging them and me not feeling like I was missing out on that kind of experience that they were having. Yeah. What can, yeah. What can you say to that? Because I think a lot of people are afraid of feeling like they're missing out because alcohol is in everywhere. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally a, a media. It's just in everything as like the lubricant to feel better, you know? It is and it isn't, right? So like when I was doing cocaine, I was like, oh, everybody does cocaine. You know, like you're just like, doesn't everybody just like do this? And and no, not everyone is doing cocaine. And when you get clean and sober, you start to attract sober people into your life. And while many of my friends are sober, many of my friends are not sober, like 12 steps sober, but they're, they don't drink. Mm-hmm. Or they like I literally like some of my best girlfriends have never seen them pick up a drink just because that's just the life choice they've made, mm-hmm. and you know at this stage my husband doesn't even really drink anymore and he was never really he was always a guy that had like a glass of wine and like enjoyed his wine, but now he's not even like drinking anything anymore you know just the people that you attract into your life are your likeness so mm-hmm. it becomes further and further and further away from you the more sober you get. And not just in terms of years, but in terms of wellness, in terms of well-being in your system. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't really look. I don't see it. I don't really see drunk people anymore. Mm-hmm. I go to bed too early for that shit. <laughs> 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 I'm sleeping before people are like buzzed. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Let's talk about your new book, my love, Happy Days, The Guided Path from Trauma to Profound Freedom and Inner Peace. Tell me about that book. And as I told you before we got on the on the record that just looking at the cover of the book, something invoked inside of me. I like to think that the 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 gaze in your eyes and the name of the book together was like a sigil for my heart. It like watered something so beautiful inside of me. Uh, so I felt, I told you, I was like, oh my God, I feel like this book should be like an altarpiece. So talking about the book, why did you write this new book and like walk us through what that means for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know you haven't had a chance to read it yet. And so as a sober brother, I am going to actually really, really put it out there that I hope you read every page or listen to every every word of this book, whether you Mm -hmm. like to listen or read, because I wrote it for you. You know, I wrote it for the person who has identified trauma in their life, the person who's maybe getting clean and sober, the person who is feeling uh, like even small T trauma, it's just sort of taking them out. They feel like they, you know, they're, they're struggling in relationships or they're having somatic physical pain or they're, uh, you know, unable to sleep or they're having anxiety attacks or dealing with depression or struggling with addiction, like pretty much every fucking human. And so mm-hmm. I am just, just really look forward to you in particular reading this and I want to hear back from you how it goes. <laughs> so now you have an assignment. <laughs> okay. Um, but, but it, but it, but it, but I wrote it for you and that, and that's, and that's, um, beautiful feeling to be able to know that I could live to tell what it means to 
recover from trauma, be on the other side of it, now shining the crystal that is me, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. not not have to run anymore. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's, that's a good a miracle. feeling, huh? To just feel the sense of rest in your body mm-hmm. and to be able to just, you know, something that was coming up for me as you're saying that it's like we're, we're then able to walk into our room and like change the psychological temperature of every room we're in by the fact that our we're actually like calibrated to a state of love. Totally, totally. And just in, in, in a sense of safety in our system. Mm-hmm. And when you, and I, in the book, I write about a lot of different therapeutic practices, spiritual and therapeutic practices for, for recovery. And I write about somatic experiencing and EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, and IFS, which is internal family systems therapy, which I'm, I'm trained in now. And the, the practices that are in this book, even just the spiritual practices or the prayers, they're all designed to help you get back to that place of sense of safety within. Mm-hmm. Because when we live with unresolved wounds, which is most people, that's right. You don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And so when you don't feel safe, what do you do? You drink, you rage, mm-hmm. you fight, you know, mm-hmm. you control, you work, you do whatever you can to protect yourself from feeling those feelings of unsafety. But those protection mechanisms in IFS, we call them protector parts. Those protector parts really make life very difficult. <laughs> yeah. And so to learn how to soothe those parts of ourselves mm-hmm. so that we can become free. What's your favorite practice from the book? But I also, I've I've like witnessed you and your prayer war, your mold. I'm like, and honey, she's got some that I, I'm like deeply seduced by in the most like spiritual, holy way. So I would love for you to offer a practice and then perhaps if you feel okay about it, offer a prayer for safety too. Mm, great. Yeah. So practices for feeling safe. There's a whole chapter in the book that's about hiding behind the body. And in that chapter, I start to identify some of the somatic experiencing practices for really grounding yourself in safety. And one is a hold, a heart hold. So placing your hand on your heart and your other hand on your belly and just breathing into your diaphragm and on the exhale, relaxing. And this hold has the power to really ground you in your safety within. And if someone just is doing that while they're if they're not driving, you can practice that right now, just putting one hand on your heart and the other hand on your belly and just breathing through your diaphragm and on the exhale, letting it go. And maybe even taking it further and just saying, I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. So that's a practice that is just so healing for me. I feel it even right here, right now. Mm-hmm. And the prayer for safety could be anything from uh, thank you, guidance of the highest truth and compassion for guiding me to the sensation of safety. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I felt that. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about confronting our fears. That's something you speak about it in the book. How does confronting our fears bring us freedom and peace? It sounds like, what? Going towards the fire is how I'm going to experience freedom and peace? Talk to us about that. Well, 
I think it's a little bit more about becoming curious about the fear rather than mm. confronting it. Mm. I think that that curiosity is a is a spiritual quality. It's a self quality with a capital S, and it, it's it's really about being in the inquiry of okay, I have that trigger response and I have this feeling of fear and then I do all these things to run from it and being brave enough to wonder what is it that I might be running from and all of that inquiry that gentle compassionate inquiry is what's part of this book is is really opening you up to no longer shaming and blaming yourself but instead cure with curiosity and compassion and courage mm -hmm. just slowly looking more closely at the patterns and giving yourself the grace to heal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you share like a personal story in the book about a moment that you ha were like called to, you know, lean in and be curious about it? You know, I think that the whole book is that in many ways, but particularly, okay. particularly, yeah, all of, all of the, the personal stories in this book, whether it be a, a, overcoming addiction to, remembering trauma to facing into debilitating postpartum depression. All of these very, very significant moments in my life are shared very vulnerably and authentically. One, to help the reader know they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And two, to say, here's how I got out. Here's how I survived and how I thrive now. And mm -hmm. to be able to really show yes to your point, here's what I did to be in that courage and that curiosity and that compassion towards self and, you know, just this is the way that I've gotten myself through these difficult moments in time that are not unfamiliar to so many. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you feel um, that through, through your sober journey and through your healing process, you found that forgiveness has played a big role? Definitely. <clears throat> forgiveness is the undoing of fear. And I, I, I think that through the through the experience of forgiveness, we can return to that place of safety within ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because so much of the fear that we hold on to is just the perpetual cycle of attack, attack towards ourselves, attack towards others. And then that guilt cycle of I attack you, then I attack myself, and then I feel guilty for attacking myself, so I attack myself more. Mm -hmm. And you know, and and that cycle of fear can be undone through the through the experience of forgiveness. Whether you forgive your thought, whether you forgive yourself, whether you forgive the other individual, whatever it might be, and and that and that that experience of forgiveness is the undoing. Mm -hmm. And do you find that forgiveness like a vital piece to the healing equation? Yeah, and it's interesting. It's not a huge. It's not like a big. It's not a big mention in this book. I mean, there's a whole chapter on reparenting yourself, which is a lot about you know having compassion towards and forgiving yourself for sure, mm -hmm. but. But it's a through line within every single chapter, in a sense. Like it's not like there's a chapter on forgiveness. It's kind of every single step of this journey is an act of forgiveness towards yourself. Mm. I, love <coughs> that. I love that so much. And you know, for someone who's experiencing like deep regret for something that they've done wrong, or for some, or someone who's like really harboring and chewing and ruminating on something that was that was done to them that was wrong. What is something that like, what's the first sort of step into, into, into that undoing, into that releasing that has truly helped you in your life to write mm. happy days? Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of it is about 
befriending the parts of myself that might have been hurt or the parts of myself that might have been been acting out and befriending those parts of myself rather than judging them <laughs> and <laughs> and be- becoming becoming the non-judgmental witness of what went down and how it still comes up and with that curiosity and that compassion and that calmness and that connectedness getting closer to the getting a, establishing a relationship with that part of myself uh-huh. so that it can safely come back to a place that's not extreme uh-huh. i love that and that opens the door for us to see that it's a part of us it's not the entirety of us right that right we are. we are just many many parts exactly yeah and that opens the door for people to see like you know, behavior different from capital S self. I think oftentimes in the state, as we're looking at forgiveness, there's this huge thing of like, they are what they do, you know, but when we enter into a state of radical love, radical loving forgiveness, we're able to, to sort of disentangle behavior from the self. And that opens the door for us to see people different and see ourselves differently too. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and I think that when we can see ourselves as all these different multiple parts, we can recognize all the ways that we've been trying to protect ourselves from feeling impermissible shame and terror from our childhood. And when we look at these parts of ourselves from that lens, we can see them with just compassion because, oh my God, all these parts have been working so hard to keep me safe. The cocaine addict, she worked so hard and the workaholic, she worked so hard and the dissociated part worked so hard. And I can thank all those parts of myself now and say, thank you for your service. Thank you for keeping me safe in the way that you could at the time. And thank you for relaxing now, right? Because there's no bad parts. And when they are put to good use, like the controller, she wrote nine books in 11 years, you know, that part of me. Um, <laughs> she did some really good shit in the world, you know, and she continues to. So you don't want to, you don't want to judge your parts. Mm-hmm. I love that. You don't want to judge your parts. Beautifully said. Thank you, Gabby. Now, one thing that I love too that you said recently on Instagram about remember joy. Joy is the ultimate creator. When we vibrate at the frequency of joy, we attract our likeness. And I think I want to hear you speak to this. And for me, the the whole movement of spiritually sassy from from my book and the podcast and all of it is to remind people that you know, as we're healing, we're smiling more, we're laughing more, we're more joyful, more flexible, kinder. Um, more playful, more lighthearted. And I think in the beginning of my spiritual journey, I've, I've gotten so serious until I had the honor of meeting this holy woman in the Himalayas. Um, and she said, you're here to spread joy, which is one of the perfections that are not in the scriptures, but that's what you're here to do. And I was like, oh, okay. I feel like I lost this. I lost myself in a soup too. I became like, you know, s- serious and kind of like was trying to like mimic what I felt like calm and Zen and healing and liberation look like in other people. And that's good. But for me it was like expression and joy in, in a way that's bold and loud. Mm. Speak to us about joy, my love. Yeah. Well, I think that um, being in the presence of joy is the ultimate creator. Joy is creative energy. Joy is is source energy. Now, for many people listening, they may feel very far from joy. And so, well, what can I do in that moment when joy feels like an afterthought? Well, I would say lean into the subtle shifts that create that power within you. So 
Maybe listening to this podcast brings you a spark of joy. Maybe a certain walk in your neighborhood brings joy to you. Uh, cooking a meal, finding joy in the small parts of our lives gives us this habit of looking for love rather than looking for more fear. And that is a subtle shift. You could be in the darkest moment of depression and be leaning towards love. And that was the case for me when I struggled from postpartum depression. I was suicidal. I was, it was horrific. I was, by that point, I'd probably written like eight, eight self-help books or something. And I was like dying on the inside. Mm -hmm. And I just kept opening my heart more and more and more to the presence of love and ultimately was guided to the psychiatric support that I needed, to the therapeutic support that I needed, and to the healing path that I w went on. Mm -hmm. If I had given up on joy, then I don't know if I would have been able to get out of that. Mm. Thank you for sharing this. That's so beautiful. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, I feel you, honey. Okay. Last two questions. What is the most mystical thing that's ever happened to you? Oh, there's just so many. Um, and go as far and wide as you want, honey. Mm -hmm, I ask every guest mm -hmm, that question. Mm -hmm. Well, I've always been able to see spirit as light. So I see sparks of light. I see tinsel in the sky. I can feel the presence of spirit. I can channel spirit. I can li listen to the voice of spirit and let it speak through me. And so the experiences in my life where spirit has come through are, are frequent. I mean, even today, I was having a big conversation about a big choice in our career in my business with my COO and my CEO. And I saw this beautiful spark of light next to the computer. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> and um, for me, it's come through in many ways. When I, when I first got sober and started studying A Course in Miracles, I went to the store to pick, the, pick up the book and it was on sale. And I grabbed the book and I felt a presence of energy pull me to the register. I was like dragged to the register. And so that was a very beautiful moment. And there's been many like that throughout my life. I love that. And the reason why I asked this question is to sort of like invite the mystical into the mundane. So we're open to seeing that, you know, and experiencing right. that. I mean, I think that that spiritual experience is our true nature, but we just forgot. We turned our back on it we built up a wall against it. We let the world tell us it wasn't true. And so the more we peel back the layers of our own psyche and we start to heal ourselves, the more unapologetic we become about our spiritual connection and the easier it is to access. Mm. Say it, honey, louder for the people in the back because <laughs> I 100% believe that too. Oh my goodness. Okay, last question. What does it mean to you to be spiritually sassy? Mm. Um. I think that throughout my career, listen, my second book was called Spirit Junkie, and I think that says it all. It's like mm -hmm. just just being just really lit up by the metaphysical and being drawn to the belief systems beyond our logic and reason and to just be in that genuine, humble receptivity to let that spiritual connection come through. Mm, love, 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 love. Well, thank you so much for this. Thank you, baby. I really appreciate it, my darling. Thank you so much. Thank Lots you. of love. I'm Sadie Simone, and you've been listening to the Spiritually Sassy Show. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and reveal this podcast. And join me next Sunday for another Spiritually Sassy Conversation. 
Thank you so much for listening and I love you.